The Beauty Biz, brought to you by serial entrepreneur and aesthetic clinic chain founder, Esther Fieldgrass. Your regular insider peek into the beauty and wellness industry. Welcome to The Beauty Biz, where we're picking up where we left off with our international faithist and skin expert, Abigail James. So here we go with part two. So what do you think are actually the most common issues in the UK for skin? What do you think are what problems you're seeing the most? And I haven't discussed it with you, but what age group are you really looking at? You know, do you have a mixed age range, a slightly older age range? Your client base? So my client base, it is varied. Without generalising, I'd kind of say it's anything from 30 to 60. Uh-huh. There are definitely younger and definitely older, but that's that's quite a broad bracket, even within the 30 to 60 kind of age group. There's definitely an epidemic of adult acne, more so now than ever before. I, I think it's to do with our crazy lifestyles that, that we're all leading. Uh, we've got way too many hormone disruptors around, just our stress levels, if we're living in a city, the pollution, the, the lack of quality of water that we're all eat, drinking, you know, it, the, the list goes on and on and on as to why we might be seeing that, that epidemic. Pigmentation. But, but bizarrely, years ago, I remember looking at my grandmother and obviously mentally noting that she'd got little splodges on her face. And I actually remember thinking, I think that looks quite beautiful. Whereas now, if we've got a minor bit of pigmentation, oh my goodness, I need to treat it. Which we can, and we can treat it safely. But I think her view of pigmentation has possibly changed. But maybe, you know, I, there probably is more hormone fueled pigment issues than I think there have has been in the past. Uh, rosacea, internal inflammation, you know, that, that could be to do with our lifestyles and stress and everything else. Too so, much alcohol? Yeah, there can be too much alcohol. Mm-hmm. There can. So I think things move. I think people's skin is changing. Are you are you noticing that with the younger people, I mean, you said a lot of adult acne. Yeah. But are you noticing that younger people coming through the door are coming because they have the acne or because they just want to lie there and relax and have a facial, you know, what, what they're is their coming through the door because they're concerned about what they're looking at. Okay. Um, and I think there's more pressure now than ever before. Obviously, we're suddenly in this world of it's very visual with Instagram and all of our phones have got cameras on. And, you know, we're all now about a lot more about the face. You know, when when I was younger, I think we had a lot of pressure from the magazines and the body you know, but it wasn't quite so much pressure on the quality of our skin. So I th- I think there's definitely an input on that being more of an issue, as well as there actually being an increase in adult acne. Okay. So, you know, from our conversation, you know, I'm gathering that, that your approach is very much about integrating science and nature, technology and nature. And, and we're kind of quite similar in our outlook you know, the philosophy of inner health for outer beauty, kind of a holistic approach. Yeah. But I'd like, actually quite like to hear a bit more about your perspective on this. Is is that the way you're going, that you look at what people are eating, how they're treating themselves, you know, your approach that inner health is going to actually determine what their skin is going to be like? So, yes, is the kind of fundamental answer. I think we're all made up differently. So, f- For example, if someone might be experiencing stress, to them, their body might respond with irritable bowel syndrome or with migraines or something like that. Whereas others, that stress 
might kind of kick out acne, you know, or hormone imbalances. So I think some people who can get away with eating and drinking and doing whatever they want to when they're not being an impact on the skin. Whereas others, their bodies just seem a little bit more sensitive to those internal things that they can see. I know maybe a doctor would even deny this is possible, but I've had clients for years. They almost know if they kind of have a weekend of, you know, extremes, they know kind of midweek their face is going to break out. You know, they're physically living with that. And, you know, that th they know certain foods definitely make it better or worse. So I've learned a lot of that from clients as much as having that kind of philosophy myself. It's not the only thing. And that's where the 360 comes in. You know, I think there's some technology and peels that can make a dramatic improvement with acne, rosacea, those kind of things. But I find I get the longer standing results if that the person also addresses some of those other things as well. Mm. Talking on this level of sort of inner health, you said that you do yoga and you said that you've just been away for a weekend for the first time in a year. Yeah. But what do you actually do for yourself? How do you take care of yourself, really? I know everybody kind of feels that yoga is the physical practice. You know, literally doing some yoga poses, downward dog and all that, that, that business, which it is. Have you ever done yoga? Every week. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I'm so for yoga nut. Great. Good. So the thing with yoga, it's not just the physical practice. Um, you know, I do meditate regularly, whether it's five minutes sat on a tube or, or, or you know, something more. It kind of gives you that, that there's more of a philosophy that comes with yoga as well about self-care and I don't know, not not stressing yourself quite so much about things. So I think it changed my mindset and it's definitely just, it helps me keep a lid on things. But I also think with yoga, yes, it's the physical, but I, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a, a class or I, I self-practice at home, might be a 20 minute, half an hour, I'm not actually thinking about anything else other than what I'm physically doing at that moment. Which is what being in the present, it's all about. Exactly. So you know, I find those moments of switching off, mm -hmm. um, it's not necessarily about going on a retreat for a whole week. You know, I think we can find those little moments to switch off. But being totally honest, I'm not the best at self-care, you know, but I think we all possibly fall into that. So I do what I can. You know, I, I as you mentioned, I've just been away for three days. I was desperate for that three-day break. I could feel, you know, work was crazy, juggling lots with family and everything. And I, I've learned when I'm kind of at that almost breaking point, and I need, I've got to take myself out of the situation. So I should have probably done it a little bit sooner, you know, but I, I've learned to do that type of thing before I get to kind of that, you know, that breaking point. I'm just going to throw this in here. I mean, we talk about yoga here. I mean, I do a lot of breathing practices. Yeah. I know whether you do too. Yeah. yeah. But it's something that when I have, or I used to have and occasionally now have a client on the bed, I will actually do breathing practices with them before I start the treatments. Do you ever do that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's really important to actually get them or the client lying there into the breath work. And sometimes I try to coordinate my breathing with their breathing. So there's just this total flow. Yeah, 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 that's beautiful. Um, well, we're often, 
running around our daily lives, you know, whether we're working, juggling kids, whatever it is, so many of us, we're not fully breathing. Um, you know, we're kind of breathing into the upper upper chest rather than through the full yeah. lungs. And actually, you you know what it's like when you lie on a therapist bed. That in itself is almost therapy just to be able to lie down. And then if you can encourage the client, like you said, with the breathing. Yeah, I know. I phoned this morning and said, can I come in for a facial? I went, sorry, we're fully broadcasting. Oh. <laughs> I went, oh, can't even get into my own clinics. There you go. So I wanted to talk to you a bit more about treatments and technology. What are you loving or hating of the minute? I know I, I did mention microbiome is the, the latest thing for the skin, which I'm kind of wishy-washy about at the moment. What do you think is around now that you think is great? So technology, I love LED therapy. Yeah. Particularly Dermalux. Uh-huh. I think... One in the corner. Yes, I noticed <laughs> when I walked in. It's safe. It's it's effective. You know, it to me... I see LED light almost as a skin product. It is able to kind of penetrate into the skin and have a physical response within the skin. Um, and Dermalux particularly, their research and everything they do is is phenomenal. So I'm a huge fan of LED. Peels. Peels are phenomenal. I actually think for skin changing over the past decade... Peels, it's not like Samantha in Sex and the City anymore. You know, it's not the scary. I think they've probably been one of the most skin revolutionising things that we as therapists can do within treatment and then potentially with home care as well. And I'm a huge fan of radio frequency for kind of lifting, firming. So, you know, off the top of my head, those are kind of three initial advances convinced about microblading no me neither because in the wrong hands it's so dangerous yeah and i think yeah i mean obviously it's kind of taking off dead skin cells and the kind of little i call it bum fluff hair that we, that we get on you know the sides of our cheeks but i think we can obviously exfoliate and everything the skin whether it's a hydrodermabrasion or whether it's with peels. And I think that's probably more a more effective way. But like you said, there's the danger, you know, in the putting in the a wrong... knife in the wrong hand. Yeah. Yeah. I won't do I won't do it within my own clinics. No. No. I used to, I used to do it when I was treating clients. I did it myself. I was trained. Um but then I was trained how to shave a man's face on a balloon. Okay. Oh, yes. That? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had to shave a balloon. Be, yeah. And you, so you soon learn with a very sharp razor or knife. Yeah. You know, when you're cutting. Because it would bang. That would frighten the life out of you. But um, no, so microblading is something I I don't allow within my clinics. No. But, um, and it was very fashionable in America. And it came over here. It's huge over there. Yes, huge. Yeah. But I don't love it. No, me neither. However, there I think it's big over there. It's cheap. You know, you, you don't need to invest in a big piece of machinery to, to do something. And I think this is kind of where we're going to find it slotting into a lot of our, you know, cheaper yeah. salons. It's where, you know, who might not have the, the finances to invest in, in some of the amazing technology. And even that in itself might, I don't know, might, might not be well placed for, for that type of treatment. No, it's worrying. Yeah. Some of these treatments actually do really worry me. So tell me, look at this, what is your prediction for the future? Where do you think we're going to go with skincare? Oh, my goodness. I think it's going to become 
treatments are going to become more widely available, as we've kind of said, you know, I don't want to say on every kind of street corner, but I, I think it is unfortunately going in that way. However, I think the consumer is more open to having regular treatments, you know, that monthly uh, whatever treatment it might be, facial technology. So, I, yeah, I just think it's going to become more accessible, more demand, more results, actually, and safer results in the right hands. And I think from ingredients within your home care, as well as the products that we use within treatment and the safe technology, whereas maybe even a decade ago, I don't think I could achieve with some of the things that I'd got then, maybe what I can now. I mean, your clinics have been quite different. You've always had tech and doing and yeah, things. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just think more of almost everything, but in a in a safer, more acceptable way. Are there particular product houses that you swear by? Yes. Tell me. Cosmetics. I absolutely love them. Oh, we use cosmetics. I know you do, <laughs> which it's so from when I when I first came to London years ago and I'd kind of seen EF Medispa, I almost made that kind of mental connection that maybe it's not somewhere that would resonate with my philosophy. But actually, having got to know you, Esther, our <laughs> philosophy is really similar. Absolutely. On on, you know, the the holistic, the the product ingredients and the technology. So um, when I kind of saw that you also worked with cosmetics, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So I love their ingredient deck, their results, how it works on the skin. Yeah, all of that. So cosmetics is probably one of my first go-tos. I like Medicaid. Again, okay. they're reasonably clean formulated, but with the, with the results. There's a, a new product range on the high street or... Augustina Bedina, Bedin, who they've literally got two products. It's a moisturizer and a thick moisturizer. It's quite a high price point, but their their science behind those is, is really quite interesting. I recently met Dr. Dennis Gross. He came over from the States. I was quite surprised again with his philosophy. He's like a an American dermatologist, you know, tending to the faces of the fabulous over there his range with retinols and vitamin c's and everything else and paraben free i was quite you know oh, that's, it, it's interesting and it's one that i'm kind of currently playing with at home yeah. i think there's always going to be new things coming out and you know i think some of the old schools still definitely work but as you know i, I like the cleaner formulations that's great and i'm just going to mention right now that um my first podcast was actually with aisha who is the managing director of, of cosmetics in the UK. Um, and she talks a lot about skincare. So if there's anybody listening and is really loving skincare, please go back and listen to our number one podcast with Aisha, where she talks all about cosmetics and what's going on. Do you know, her, her knowledge is phenomenal. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time with her, uh, learned from her. I still, actually, if I've got a tricky skin, she's the one I'm actually phoning and saying, can you help me out with this? Um, yeah, so that's going to, I need to go and listen to that. <laughs> go back, listen to podcast number one. There you go. So while we're talking about this, tell me about your own skincare routine. Okay, so I'm fortunate that I'm I'm sent a lot of things to try. But I, I suppose my core routine, every morning I cleanse, whether it's with a cream, an oil or a wash. I will only do one cleanse in the morning. 
I will always use at least two serums. Whether it's a vitamin C serum, whether it's a hydrating serum or a stem cell serum, but I will always apply two different serums. I like putting my eye creams on in the morning. Mm -hmm. I will then put a moisturizer on. Now that I'm kind of 43 plus, my moisturizers are definitely richer than they used to be. And then I will always, always finish with an SPF. So that's my morning. Then I put my makeup on. Evening... I will usually double cleanse. I like using a cream, an oil, or a balm as that first. Um, then I go in with a gentle wash. I will, nine times out of 10, use a retinol. Um, the nights I'm not using a retinol, I might use, I don't know, a peptide or a stem cell kind of serum. I might just leave it at that, or I might put a slight oil on the top. I personally, on my skin, I don't necessarily like putting heavy night creams on. I'd rather layer up the serum-y kind of things and maybe an oil if I feel my skin needs it uh, rather than kind of heavy night products. How long does this take you? It's actually quite quick. You'd be surprised. You would be surprised. You've really got to go back and try Omni, I tell you. There we go. We're talking about um, products you use every day. Give me very quickly your five Desert Island products that you take with you this is really top five yeah this is going to be really tricky i know um so benefit clean from cosmetics i love Absolutely it too. love it use it morning and night there's a stem cell serum from a range called osmosis okay that's amazing i'd have to have the vitamin c powder from cosmetics as well the antioxidant huh? yeah because i look it's so easy to add into a serum that's three. Oh my goodness Maybe I'd go for the Augustus Bedina moisturiser as an all-in-one. I'd need some kind of SPF. I'm going to go for a Lumiere. They have an SPF. It's kind of quite a hydrating mineral SPF. Yeah, that's one product I really don't like. Out of all but there we go. Everyone's different, babes. So, Abigail, as you can imagine, as soon as we told people you were coming in, we got inundated with questions. So here's the first question. First up, Sophie has asked what she can do about hormonal breakouts. Any ideas? Okay, so uh, let's talk about from a treatment perspective first. Definitely course of peels and LED. Mm -hmm. And I also think maybe some IPL type treatments. Yeah, okay. That, that would be from a treatment perspective. Um, I think getting her home care zipped up. She needs some salicylic acid in her home care. You know, that's antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. You know, I'd, I'd be picking apart her home care. It's actually something like Benefit Clean as a great starting point. Or actually, cosmetics do Purity Clean as purity well. Purity Clean. Because it's got that mild lactic. Yes. You kind of want to exfoliate, but not be too aggressive at home. You know, leave, leave the kind of real doing to, to the peels. But I, I very much see with, with uh, an adult acne treatment, it's a tag team from what they're doing with their home care and what we're doing in treatment. Potentially looking at some supplements. Uh, you know, vitamin A's, vitamin E's. I think omega-3 is essential for an acne skin. Balancing hormones. There's a holistic supplement called DIM, D-I-M, which is great for, for, for hormone supporting. And then with the diet, I've just found over the years that maybe dairy can be one that doesn't necessarily work brilliantly with, with an acne-prone skin. 
cutting down on the nice things, unfortunately, coffees, alcohol, you know, the stimulants. You can get your caffeine from green teas if you kind of still feel that you need a kick in the morning. Yeah, and proteins, lots of proteins, maybe from eggs, actually. I I think eggs get a bit of a bad rap, but eggs are good. They're they're really good, solid proteins. Okay. So then we had um, Andy from Cambridge wants to know what the difference between chemical and physical sunscreen is. Is one better than the other? Okay, so what, can I ask what your thoughts are on the physical and the chemical? Do you have a, a particular? I used to like the ones with a high zinc volume, yeah. high zinc content. Um, and Domaquest do one with 18% zinc. Okay. Yeah, or clear zinc, uh, which is great. So you don't end up with white lines. So you look like a rugby player. Yeah. Which I have always loved. Now, I know Mesoesthetics have just brought out some new ones. And they do an anti-aging one, which is more of an oil, which is very different. So is that a combination with the 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 chemical? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think it, I think it depends on the individual. Yeah. I think for some people, physical is better. On other people, the chemical one, you know, and you know, like for children, you're going to want something that's going to be kind of waterproof and last when they're yeah. running in and out. But what people often forget is how frequently they need to reapply. Definitely, to maintain the the level Level. of protection. And then you had, I mean, this is interesting for me. Then you had the other side of it where people were saying, you know, people are applying so much sunscreen, so much SPF, they're not getting their vitamin D3. So with the OmniLine that I've brought out is that when people actually buy my sunblock, they will actually be given a vitamin D3 to go with it, which is... Nobody else is doing this. Yeah, I think so that's you great. Get, yeah, so you get the sunscreen with the D3 with me. Okay. So I have to say the, the vitamin D3 is taken orally. So I have tried that of yours, Esther. I have tried your oral vitamin D. Oh, did you like it? <laughs> yeah, I did. But it's just so easy to do. Yes, you just yeah. spread it. Yeah. Part of your morning routine, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so yeah, so let's go with that. Well, fundamentally, the, the difference between a chemical and a physical SPF You're kind of, if if you read the pack and it says, you know, apply and wait 20 minutes, the chances are that that has a chemical SPF in. Fundamentally, they absorb into the skin. There is a chemical reaction within the skin, which allows the UV rays to be absorbed within the skin. So that's fundamentally how the the chemical works. Whereas the physical, usually mineral, zinc or titanium dioxide, they sit on the skin like minute mirrors that when the sun's rays, the UV rays hit the skin, they kind of bounce off. And that's where traditionally some of the older formulations, you look like you were about to swim the channel, yeah. you know, because it, it leaves that that coating on, on the surface. Absolutely. The titanium dioxide and all of that. Yeah. yeah. But that that's fundamentally the difference between them. So do you have a preference? My preference would be mineral, but I know actually finding good mineral formulations isn't necessarily that that easy. You know, I have found with with some skins, especially maybe those that are suffering with pigmentation, that actually going mineral with them is is better. They actually find that using the chemical that sometimes they feel it makes their pigment worse, even though they're protecting. So that that's just something that kind of over the past year, I've kind of maybe been aware that has cropped up sometimes with, with clients giving feedback. It's, it's interesting. I think it's a whole area. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different avenue to go down yeah, for everybody. Yeah. I know SkinCeuticals actually do make a, a mineral um, sunblock, sunscreen. Yeah. 
So if people really want that, SkinCeuticals. Yeah. Yeah. So the next question coming up was Rachel from London has very dry skin and wants to know what kind of facial should she have and what products should she use? Difficult. Yeah. So very dry skin. I suppose from a treatment point of view, I would initially be jumping in with adding in something like Dermalux LED, uh, but not as a standalone. I think even though it's very dry, she probably needs some exfoliation. Maybe that's a low-level lactic peel. Lactic as an acid, it's really comfortable. You kind of barely know that you've got an acid on the skin. But lactic has an ability to not just exfoliate, but to also stimulate your own moisturizing factors within the skin. So possibly something like that. And then some a whole load of hyaluronic acid, you know, that's kind of got the ability to hold so much more of its own weight in moisture and water. So maybe something like a peel and hyaluronic masks and serums and stick her under the LED, that type of, of treatment. But fundamentally, she possibly needs some supplements as well. You know, what's causing the dryness? Is it is it that, you know, that's just her genetically or is this something that has has cropped up? Is there something hormonally or diet wise she's kind of missing out on? Yeah. When, when I look at that, there's a couple of things. First of all, I'd say what time of year? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Is there heating going on? Yeah. You know, so so what is actually going on for them at this moment in time? I always recommend a probiotic for people that have got really dry skin. OK. I often feel it comes from the gut. Yeah. Um. So they need to be looking at that. And the last thing I'd say, um, if anybody is listening to this, when Abigail and I talk, we talk about these different peels, there's often ingredients in it that you may be allergic to. So you need to tell the therapist that you're working with if you have any allergies. Lactic acid comes from milk. Yeah. So, if, you know, if you have any dairy or milk allergies, you, you need to understand this. Not necessarily you need to understand it, but the person that's working on your skin needs to know Definitely. If you have these kind of allergies. Yeah. So I also think sometimes, actually, when someone's experiencing or suffering from dry skin, particularly, they almost they say, well, I drink my kind of eight glasses of water a day. Why is my skin still dry? That's not it's not going to fix it. It's it's a, a much bigger issue than that. And it's not just about the water. It's about the oil content as well. So. Um, that's something that often crops up from people. I mean, when you're talking about hydration, my personal trainer always says to me, Esther, you know, if you get dehydrated, it actually takes your body three weeks. Interesting. Yeah, three weeks to actually put that hydration back in there. So for those of you that are out there, it's a bit of information for you. Yeah. The next question we have for you, Abigail, is organic skincare superior? Should I only be using organic? Oh, I'm going to leave you with this one. <laughs> Bone of contention for me. If you'd have asked me this a decade ago, my answer would have been different. But kind of now, my answer would be no. You know, I like the idea of only using organic, but unfortunately, it's not going to get the results. I think there are ingredients that we find in the lab that are incredible for the skin and actually skin changing that if we want results are essential to to the skin just because something is organic doesn't mean that you won't react to it you know it might be packed with a whole load of essential oils that you could react to so so yeah no is the answer okay there we go and it's a no for me too girls <laughs> the x factor so jade wants to know 
If at home facial massage and facials are beneficial, and if so, how can she learn how to do it? So, yes, I love face massage. It's something I became quite well known for, you know, early on in my career. Face massage on its own is not going to revolutionize your face. To me, it's an as well as, and as well as your technology and your home care and everything else. Um, when you're doing it at home, it's free. You know, it's something that you can, it's a moment of self-care. So if we're kind of talking about managing stress levels and everything else as well. So it, it's more than just the physical. But then from the physical point of view, we are getting into muscles, tension, connective tissue, maybe some lymphatic drainage. You know, we all know how much better we feel after having a massage and how much maybe taller we feel or, you know, our shoulders drop or all of those things, the, mus the, the face is made up of so many muscles that are actually working so much to make our expressions. You know, you can look at someone's face and see if they're stressed or anxious, you know, and that's the almost muscles creating those. So there are many benefits, but as a standalone, it's not going to get, you know, incredible results. I do have clients through health issues, I can't use technology on them. Those ladies, they'll come in every two weeks, I'll do kind of some of my signature facelifting massage on them, and they will comment that their friends have asked if they've had Botox. That's that particular client. I have got some tutorials on YouTube. Well, um, there we go, girls. <laughs> for different kind of areas on the face. I think my YouTube's now, it's had over 2 million views, my channel which is crazy. And I, I think a lot of it is also people watching it back and following the routines through. Um, but yeah, there's there's some lovely comments of how people around the world are, are you know, enjoying it and seeing some benefits. That's amazing, Abigail. Well done. Thank you. Yay. Go for it, girlfriend. We've had a few questions from the EF Medispa team here. So here's one for you from Danny. She would like to know what your ideal skincare regime would be and if the Korean 10-step process is a good idea. So firstly, I don't think a 10-step is necessary. You can if you're into your skincare and you like playing with products. Do you know what? There might be no harm in it. However, I don't think it's necessary. I also think a routine for different skin types is going to vary. So an ideal it's difficult to say. You can kind of generalize, but say someone suffering with a, an acne skin, their ideal routine is going to be quite different to someone whose main concerns is aging. But I would always be cleansing morning and night. I would always be putting some type of serum morning and night. I usually do a different serum morning and night. I like to see your skincare, whatever skin we're treating, as you would your plate of food. We know as great as avocados are for us, if we just ate avocados, we're not going to get all the nutrients that we need to be healthy. And that's how I like to see our skin. We need oils, we need hydration, we need different vitamins. Uh, so I like to see that across your routine. I would be putting some type of hydration on morning and night, even for an oily skin. I think an oily skin still needs some some hydration, mm -hmm. but obviously not heavy thick moisturizers and I would always always be including an SPF we need that protection there's no use in doing all of that goodness unless you're going to protect protect every day as well can I just add in here you know when they talk about a 10-step process that's fine and when you talk about applying different 
moisturizers, hydrators, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Okay. But I think a, a word of warning here. Make sure that any product you're putting on actually blends well or mixes well with the product you put on previously. Yeah. If you're layering on products, you need to know that one product is not going to react with the other product. So this is where I tell people to be a bit more careful to maybe stick with one or two different brands that they know work well for their skin. I agree, because actually they might be using a tonic with some mild exfoliating acids in, but maybe also a cleanser from Edition Ray also has that in. And actually maybe they've got a brightening moisturiser which also has that in. So you do need to see your routine as, as a whole, yeah. rather than maybe picking one product just because you love it and another product just because you love it. You've got to see it as that whole and how it works together, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Abigail, thank you for coming in this morning. It was such a pleasure to have you in here with us. I'm also thrilled to announce that we are working together to develop some Abigail James treatments that will be launched at EF Medispa very soon in our Richmond branch. I'm so excited. I can't yeah. wait. So if you're out there listening, Abigail is going to be in there at some point this spring. And we're going to be launching an Abigail James facial treatment. And also, Abigail, mention your book. Ah, well, my book, it's called Love Your Skin. It's the ultimate guide to a glowing complexion. It's available on Amazon. It published uh, two years ago. Um, yeah, it's something I'm very proud of. Great. And that's all for this episode of The Beauty Biz. Please don't forget to subscribe and review and tell all your friends. So until next time, bye. The Beauty Biz with Esther Fieldgrass. Follow EF Medispa on Instagram and to find out more about us, go to efmedispa.com. Produced by The Podcast Company.